Well, good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing? Praise God. Well, we're going to worship God this morning. Amen? Yes. Father, I want to thank you for the amazing gift that you've given us as the people of God. Father, thank you that you made us one with you. Jesus prayed. He said, my prayer is that you can be one with each other the way I am one with the Father. I don't think we've touched that yet. Wait a minute. I can be one with you, 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 the same way Jesus was one with the Father. We are coming into an understanding that it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. That the kingdom of God comes not from the heavens, not from past the sun, not from the constellations, but the kingdom of God comes from within those who become one spirit with Him. That's right. So even when we're saying, when we're singing, come, Holy Spirit, come, we're saying, let the river flow. Because from out of your innermost being flows rivers of living water. Hallelujah. Well, this is unofficially the beginning of our Open the Gates conference. No, tonight really is the official beginning, but we're gonna we're gonna open things up this morning. And I want to encourage you: don't wait, don't wait for a feeling, don't wait for a sentimental quietness, don't wait for a certain kind of melodic atmosphere to lure you into God focus. Simply release what's already inside of you. Now, I'll talk about this later, but I am so excited because I believe we're coming to a threshold where the people of God are going to realize what they've always had. So, Father, I pray today, during this week, Lord, that we will have a watershed moment where we'll cross over into an understanding that we don't have to wait for the kingdom. But, Lord, we're going to realize what William Booth of the Salvation Army meant when he said, I'm not waiting for a move of God. I am a move of God. Lord, he understood that he was one with your spirit. That every place his foot tread, you are treading because he is the body of Christ. He is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Father, in Jesus' name, release your presence through us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship him. When God was with the prophet, he said, he asked him a question, can these bones live? He said, you know, Lord. And what happened after that? He didn't say, okay, God, you do it and I'll watch. God said to him, you speak to the bones. Well, why didn't God do it? Couldn't God do it? Of course God could do it. But God has chosen to work through you. God has chosen to put his spirit inside you so that the breath of God that makes alive is inside of you. What if the health of the church in our city was entirely contingent upon what we said about it? What if our capacity to say live? You know, in Romans 8, Romans 8 says that the creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. And we can say, well, the sons of God are here. The children of God are here. We're we're right here in the room. Yet creation is still waiting. So what is it waiting for? It's waiting for the call to be chosen. It's waiting for the elect to come into a realization of who they are. 
It's waiting for joint heirs to realize they're joint heirs and to begin to be co-laborers with them. Yeah. It's an awakening to realize, hey, if I do this, this is the effect. Anybody who does anything in the kingdom of God has come into an awakening that is that everything has already been given. All things, Peter writes, all things, say all. All. How many? All things. What are you missing? Nothing. How many things do you have? All. All things have been given through the knowledge of Him. So what level of the knowledge have you come into to enact, to create a reality in your life? So Father, I pray this week, this week, this week, Father, that as you brood over us, as this atmosphere of the kingdom of God saturates around our minds and our souls, God, that things We'll just begin to click. Lord, a spirit of revelation. Yes. Lord, we'll begin to see yes. things we thought we yes. always understood. In Jesus' name. You say amen. amen. There's an atmosphere that causes the seeds that have already been given, planted in your, in your life. Because you have the DNA of the Son of God inside of you. You are born again. If you're born again, you are born again by the word of God. By the eternal seed. Eternal seed is inside of you. So, Father, we say, Lord, let that eternal seed blossom, germinate, grow up. Lord, may we see the full measure, the full expression, Lord, of what that divine seed. Lord, you said you made us partakers of the divine nature through the knowledge of him. So, God, we say, show us what we're missing. Jesus' name. Amen. So good to be with you guys again. Is it good to be with me? Yes. Is it good to be with each other? Yes. Yeah, where's my wife? She's not here. Good, I can talk about her. Uh, <laughs> my wife was just telling me um, here this, uh, this week how... The Lord um, poured through her a level of vision, appreciation. She was looking at, I can't remember who it was, but a group of people. And she said her heart just was overwhelmed with the beauty of the people. And um, I, I remember years ago experiencing that the first time. I was doing a missions trip to Latvia. And I was ministering, and it was, it was right after the, the wall had fallen, or right before it had fallen, I, I can't remember. And um, we were in this big congregation, and of course, dire poverty. Hard, nobody was dressed well. Um, the people were, looked unkept, unclean. Uh, a lot of old people, a lot of, uh, a lot of missing teeth and really bad breath. I remember these Russian women with hand, man hands, like just huge hands. And I, I was thinking, because what struck me is as I'm walking through the, the crowd, I just feel like 
I love them so much, I can't get close enough to them. And, I, I, and I'm thinking, in my mind, I'm thinking, but everything about this is not attractive. Yet something, I was captured by a degree of the love of God that I had never, ever felt for others in my life. You know, it says that the Holy Spirit has shed abroad in our hearts the love of God. And I, I just want to put it out there, because Wendy said, you know, I think this is what you, what I felt this week, she said, I think is what you are talking about, uh, what you've experienced at different times. And I can honestly say that while my love, my daily love is increasing month by month and year by year, nothing touches these moments of immense grace where suddenly, I don't know why we're ringing so much, but we're working on it, so just bear with it. Are we okay? Yeah. Yeah. There is stuff to be poured out on you. Uh, if, If you feel you're at the limit of your love, If you're at the limit of your capacity, take heart because God is wanting to free you from the limits of your own love and to bring you into something greater, bring you into something higher. So if you're at the place where, you know, it's like if one more person, da, 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 you know, A, repent, okay, but B, expect. Because God is, God is bringing us, and I may touch on some of this as we go, but Father, we thank you, Lord, that um, there's no limits to the love of God that you're going to pour out upon us, Father, that you're going to capture a people uh, with love. Lord, a people who will uh, love not their lives even unto death, Lord, and that will literally be willing to lay down our lives for the people trying to kill us. That is impossible in the natural. I can't do that now, but Father, I know that you can do that. And so, God, give us the kind of love we've seen throughout history, whether whether it was in Stephen or whether it was in Jesus, who looked on those ones that were were killing him at the moment and said, God, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Father, we need that kind of love. And even though to our minds it seems impossible... Do it in us, Lord. We want it. Amen. So the only thing, I, uh, the only other thing I want to say about that is this: is that, is that how you move from one level of love into another level of love is you start to realize the insufficiency of the present level of love that you have. Yep. And so, and that's that happens all of all of our lives. You know, God, we're going from glory to glory. But what you realize. How you get to the next glory is to start to realize the present glory is not sufficient for the challenges of what God is bringing you into. It's not that those, uh, you know, those problems, those issues, those things are not insurmountable. It's just that you need more of Him. So God, give us more. And the reason I say this, I don't want us to tire of always going for more. I'm getting to my message in a minute here, but yeah. Annoying hum, eh? I feel like I don't even have your attention because, like, when's it going to be over? It's coming. Anyway, um, you know, sometimes you get this strained relationship between professional athletes and their coaches. And the reason is, is because the coach sees that he can get more out of you and you're happy with the last level of performance. 
And so he's always, there's more in you, you know. And so young athletes especially, young athletes who, who haven't, you know, they're elite in their age group, but they haven't really yet competed against the nation's best or the world's best yet. And so they're like, I'm a star, right? I'm a star, just put me out there. No, 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 no. You don't know what the next level is going to require. I do. So get on that bike, get in that gym, quit eating the, you know, Costco hot dogs. <laughs> I love Costco hot dogs. <laughs> and you know what? That gets tedious after a while for the young guy who'd like an Nanaimo bar. Right? Or just spend an evening, you know, eating popcorn and going to the movies. But if you want to be elite, world class, you have to, you have to lay these things aside. And that's kind of the exhortation that Paul was given to Timothy when he told him as a good soldier to endure hardship and to press on. In Philippians where he says, press on to the mark of the high calling in Christ. He says, I don't even feel like I'm there yet. I'm still leaning into more. If I'm leaning into more, you should be too. But the enemy would like to keep us where we're at. Create false ceilings, false finish lines. You know, get us so elated in, the, in, in what we're looking at in the mirror that we're like, oh yeah, we're there. But we're not. So, Father, Lord, we want to see a relentless generation come up. Yes, Lord. Yes. Amen? Yes. The meek shall inherit the earth. So, uh, we're moving that direction. Is that working now? Is it good? Is it because I stepped back or? Yeah. No, okay. It's, thanks, Jim. We're going to figure out this out one of these days. Let me read a, a passage for you from the Bible. I'm going to read several today. How many of you know the Bible? If you haven't memorized the whole Bible, <laughs> which I'm sure some of you have, because I, I know you don't have your Bibles in front of you. <laughs> Hey, yeah, pull out your digital Bibles. <laughs> we need to be word people. Yeah. You know, the word of God is not just information. There's a substance on the word. It's kind of like nutrition in, in a hot dog, right? <laughs> All right, well, okay. <laughs> in broccoli. Like nutrition in broccoli. When you eat, you can look at a, a bowl of broccoli all you want. It's not going to do anything for you. It has to be assimilated on, on another level. And, and that's why, you know, the, the, the Jews were so intent. Where God said, listen, have the word before you at all times. Put it on the doorpost. Put it up, write it on your heart. You know, carry it with you. Meditate, sing it, shout it, memorize it, read it, dwell upon it, think about it. Because it is, it is the broccoli to your, 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 your body's, you know... Uh, growth system or immune system or all the internal things that make you healthy, all right? The Word of God is more than just nice poetic, and it's more than the thoughts that it represents. It itself is life. And so when, you, when you're leaning into it and pulling it into your being, it, it, it energizes those things inside of you that need to be energized. Does that make sense? So uh, get in the Word, be in the Word, you know, and, and most of us my age, you know, we grew up in the Word Faith Movement that was like drilled that thing into our heads. You know, get into the Scriptures, memorize the Scriptures, speak the Scriptures over your life, be familiar with the Scriptures.
So anyway, uh, enough of that, eh? Psalm 115, verse 8. No, not verse 8, verse 16. The heavens, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. The heavens, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he's given to the children of men. This is about the spheres of authority that God has given for you to operate in. He's basically saying this. He's saying it's up to you. It's up to you. It's your responsibility, your call, your assignment to subjugate the world around you. It's your calling. You know, we, we, we say things like, oh, you know, he shall have dominion. Yes, and he shall have dominion. But the vehicle through which he will have dominion is those to whom he gave authority to rule. And so this is the, the cornerstone struggle that we have in our world. And so I, I pray even right now, God, I know we've heard this before, Father. I know we've, we, we, these thoughts are not new to us. But Lord, in Jesus' name, take the veil off of this. Oh God, take the veil off of this in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. You know, we can know that as, a, as an idea, but to actually do it requires a level of faith that's beyond an idea that we've assimilated mentally, but we're actually doing it. And, and the way that it was done, by the way, is not just in prayer. Okay? The way that we, we rule the world is by starting a business and producing Uh, an activity that improves the lot of people around us, that gives jobs to others, that creates a product that enhances and increases the life and the quality of life of people around you. That is an aspect of of the dominion of God because God's heart is that all would prosper. Right? God wants you to have abundant life. So, you know, I I may pause a little bit. It's not because I don't know what to say. It's because I got too much to say. But uh, so, so even, even as I'm, I'm, I'm saying some of these things, I pray that your spirit would just begin to hunger and grab for these things. Because, you know, whether you go back to, to the, the Reformation, the Reformation is a great sort of strategic departure point where you realize that a whole generation of people in the Reformation got something of this. And out of it came the Protestant work ethic. You heard of the Protestant work ethic? Well, the Protestant work ethic wasn't people read the Bible in the verse that said, if a man shall not work, he shall not eat. That's not what, that that wasn't the cornerstone of the Protestant work ethic. The, The cornerstone of the Protestant work ethic was an awakening that I, I'm, I, my destiny is in my own hands. That I am not a victim. That's right. That cause and effect is a reality within my world and that I can exercise this diligence and it will produce something. And so there's this awakening, you know, not not times a hundred, but times millions, as millions of people across the Western Hemisphere were touched with this this, this thing and real... This passage that 
the earth he's given to the sons of men. Wow. But you know, what we do is we, we say, oh yeah, but I am, I am beholden to this factor and this factor and this factor and this factor. And what faith tells you is this, is that you may be temporarily beholden to certain circumstances connected to factors, but if you actually do this and this and this, there's a pathway yes. out of that yes. into greater freedom and autonomy. Yeah. Now, we're, we're fortunate in our world that those, those tears, those, those uh, uh, limiting factors aren't entrenched in a culture. I mean, if you go to India or places like that where there's a caste system, you are literally, through the culture, through, through the societal structures and the attitudes, there's entrenched racism based on status. And so that, that, that thing that is... In our world, sort of uh, this ominous, invisible sense of, of the enemy trying to corner you and push you down and keep you limited. In cultures where the gospel is not fully broken through and transformed the culture, those limitations are actually entrenched in political systems, yeah. in cultural systems. And that's why, you know, so many people wanted to come to the U- U.S. It was the land of opportunity. Why? Because those structures yeah. were not there. Even so, this is what God is saying. Listen, even if you're in India, even if you're in Bangladesh, even if you're in the most poverty-stricken world, the, the, the necessary ingredients for creating a classless system that allows people to prosper and, and begin to have dominion over the world is within you. Now, you might not get, if you're in India or Bangladesh or something, you might not get what we have here in one generation. It may take several generations because how many of you know the Word of God has been at work in our culture, in the Western civilization, to create a mindset, to create cultures, to create attitudes, to create uh, a capacity to believe that they don't have the benefit of. And they're working against things we don't have to work against. But the same Word is true for them that it is for us. It's just that for you and I, people laid their lives down 50 years ago, 100 years ago, in a way that maybe they haven't to transform the culture in Bangladesh. But the same word is true. The word of God, the word of God is there to say, you have power. You have power. Oh, thank you, Lord. You know, let let me back up. I mean, slavery is a bad thing, right? Slavery is a bad thing. But they had slavery in Paul's day. And even though Paul knew it was, a, it was a bad thing, he knew that the manifestation of the kingdom of God in that culture at the time was not sufficient to take down slavery. So he said, you know, he didn't tell them to go after that. But he, what he did say is, you actually can find freedom in your circumstances right now. So he said, he said serve your masters as unto the Lord, and you can find a freedom in that that will begin to give you a sphere of authority that no slave has. That's, we, that's what we see Joseph doing. Yeah. Right? Joseph was a slave, yeah. yet he came out of that slavery because of some adherence to certain principles right. in kingdom things. You think, well, well, you don't understand how limited I am. Read the Bible. Yeah. Oh, Father. The heavens, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he's given to the sons of men. Wow. 
There is a power inside of you to begin to create opportunity, to begin to shift our world. Because sometimes, you know, we, we sit back and we th- see these forces coming in on us. Well, there's all these cultural transformative things that are trying to change our world. It's only because we never spoke up. It's only because we haven't used the authority that we have. Because the people that are doing that transformation, they are small, organized, and, and, and committed group of people. We've got way more committed to our way of life. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would enable us to, to absorb the power of these things. God, in Jesus' name. So let's turn here to Ephesians chapter 2. I often make reference to Ephesians chapter 2 because there's a sort of a cornerstone thought in here about the kingdom of God and the growth of the kingdom that we really need to, to, to get right. So I'm going to read to you a, a few passages of Scripture. If, you, if, you know, if you've been here a few years, you've heard me talk about this before. Um, and so it's kind, of like, it's kind of like being a hockey coach, you know, when you, when you lost the game last night because you didn't score enough goals, then we're going to talk about how to score goals. And the players could say, well, we know how to score goals. Evidently, you don't. <laughs> you know how the, uh, the concept of it, you're very familiar with the concept of it, the execution of it, right. you're less good at. Right? right? The kingdom of God, for us as believers, is not about adhering or believing in concepts, it's about executing. Yes, it is. And so it's the execution of the things that we're given that really matters at the end of the day, right? Faith without works is dead. 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 Yeah, that's what Jesus and Gavin said. <laughs> is Gavin still here? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, in Ephesians chapter 1, did I say chapter 2? I meant chapter 1. Actually, you know, we could look at it. There's a couple of spots, but I think I'll, I'll limit my, my reading to chapter 1 and chapter 3. But this is what he says in verse 15. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for the saints. So, what is he saying here? He said, I wasn't there when your faith started, but I heard about your faith. All right, he, didn't, he, he wasn't there at the, whoever, you know, however the gospel got to Ephesus, Paul heard about their faith. And this is, so this is what he says. Now, I, I know you're believers. I know you, you're going to church now. You're worshiping God. You know, you know the God of the, the, who the, of the Jews and who he really is. But listen to this. So this is what I'm praying for you. I do not cease to give thanks for you. Making mention of you in my prayers... That the God of our Lord, Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, pause. There are already Christians, right? I remember years ago, this guy's, it's so foolish. Guy, and I know, semantics can be very, very complicated, all right? Semantics can be very complicated because we tend to take some little slice this, you know, of what somebody said and we, we put to it our meaning. But, you know, when, when people say to you, well, you don't get half the Holy Spirit, that's true, but it doesn't mean you have all the effectiveness of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. 
right? And so you knowing that you don't have half the Holy Spirit is not really the issue. A tenth, a twentieth, a quarter, a half, 75%. It's not about that. It is, it is that, that there is what is given to you and what you use. Okay? So when we're talking about what, you're not, what you don't have, it's not that you don't have the Holy Spirit, it's that you're not making use of the Holy Spirit. And that's the differentiation, right? So I remember one time I was preaching on this and I was talking about, you know, calling people up and, and uh, you know, and I was, I was talking about people who are, you know, listen, we don't have to live without victory. We can have victory. We can, you know, there's an overcoming power. And, and this person literally jumped up from their seat and started yelling at me. And they said, though the Bible says we are seated in heavenly places. Okay. So why is that not demonstrable in your life? If you're seated in heavenly places, how is it you can come under a spirit of lust? How is it you can come under a spirit of fear? How is it you can come under and be subjugated by intimidation in the workplace such that you can't even witness? Okay, don't talk to me about where you're seated. (laughs) <laughs> when you're living down here. The disconnect between our living and our actual, our actual destiny is massive. And maturity is about you living out what it is you're called to. Not pretending that the optimum scripture... You know, when Paul says we are this, he's not talking about we all equally. He's saying we. Like me. And the guys who are with me. And if you don't believe me, read Corinthians. Because he says, when we have the mind of Christ, right? He goes into the next, in chapter 3, goes into the next chapter and said, but you guys. <laughs> so everybody today, we look at it and say, we have the mind of Christ. That's not what he said. He said, we, Paul, and the apostolic team that was walking with Paul, are walking in that something. And he was using that as an idea to juxtaposition against the people that are operating far below that. Who have access to the mind of Christ, but who evidently are not actually walking right. in it. Yeah. So let's not get caught up in the semantics about, well, you know, we got the whole Holy Spirit. Fine then. Let's see it. Yeah. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to close the gap between what we know ought to be ours, what we know we should be experiencing, and what we actually are yeah. experiencing. And we don't have to be embarrassed. That is a reality. I am not living where I know I could be. Do you know what else? Paul said, I, not that I have attained, but I press toward the mark of the high calling in Christ. Now if Paul the apostle could say that, I don't think it's beneath us to say it. Right? I mean, who do we think we are? Right? That's why... When, you know, years ago, I talked about this before, when people used to say, you don't have enough faith, people would be offended. Hey, he said, I don't have enough faith. Well, do you? Because <laughs> it says, you know, nothing's impossible to him that believes. So are you doing impossible things right now? Well, now that you put it that way, I mean, what I, I don't even know what I mean. <laughs> we are going from faith to faith and from glory to glory. And we can't use the level of faith that's promised to us, what is given to us, what's held in reserve for us, as, as the mark that we actually have it now. 
Well, except we do have it now. Well, we're not walking in now. See how semantics are confusing? Yeah. So, it's evident to me that we're coming into something. And what's evident to me is this, is that Paul's saying this, that your capacity to come into this thing, to come into your inheritance is predicated upon a spirit of revelation. So he said, listen, I'm praying for you. I know you're saved. I know you have the Holy Spirit. I know you've got great destiny over you. You're in the city of Diana, of Ephesus. And you're going to take those idols down. Hallelujah. So to that end, I'm praying for you that the spirit of revelation will come upon you. Was well, Paul saying they don't have the Holy Spirit? What are you, what are you saying here, Paul? Again, let's not get caught up in those divisive semantics. Have I made my point yet? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. good. So he said, I did not cease to give thanks to you and make mention of you in your prayers that the God of our, uh, our, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Unto what? That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ. When he raised him, what? What are you saying? You say, the same power that's, that leveled principalities and powers, raised Jesus from the dead, assaulted the spirit of death, that same spirit is in me, yeah, I, I haven't seen that yet. Right? I mean, in terms of... Uh, what, what, now, some people get condemned about that. Don't, don't, don't be condemned. We are on a journey. And part of this journey is honesty and humility to acknowledge where we are and not to think of ourselves more highly as we ought. That also is in the Bible. Somewhere in Romans. Anybody know it? Never mind. So, this is what Paul is saying here. He's saying your whole journey is coming into a brighter and brighter and clearer vision of what it is you think you already know. Well, do I not know? No, you do know it, but you only know it in part. Right. You see through a glass darkly, but there is a, there's another version of that that you go, oh! And that brings a level of victory in your life, a level of supremacy. You start to rule over things that you weren't ruling over before. And then when, you, when that is entrenched and the habitual expression of your life and faith... And you're still hungering and leaning into more. Then, then he says, okay, all right. Somebody's ready for an upgrade. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. And so the upgrade process begins in your life. And you know what the upgrade process is? You begin to be dissatisfied with the level that you have. That's, That's good. It's kind of like when you do drugs. <laughs> I know it's a poor example, but I don't have a better one. <laughs> But the reason why people go to higher and higher levels of drugs is because of a principle called diminishing returns. Is that the effect of that first high 
wears off and doesn't give me the same thrill anymore, so I must, I must go to a higher level of that thing because this one is not giving me the experience I want. You know, the enemy patterned that after the kingdom of heaven. Everything he's done, he's patterned after the kingdom of heaven. Because God leads us into higher levels of life by a system of diminishing returns. By, by a realization that, you know, this level of the presence of God that I had before, I need more. It's, I, I just need, I, I need to eat more. It's like a teenager. Suddenly, they went from eating a, a small McChicken to three Big Macs. <laughs> diminishing returns. Because my appetite, my capacity, my strength, my... My girth is much larger. So, I, it, you know, what's the matter with you? A junior chicken used to be all you needed. We, never, we would never talk that way. But there is this escalation that God is bringing us to. But it's almost like between each, as you shift into the next gear, it's, all, it's like a quantum leap. It's like you... Because there's no way of seeing what you don't have right. until you see it. Right. So when we talk about authority, when we talk about the manifestation of the kingdom of God, when we talk about your ability to rule and reign, intellectually, if you're a mental kind of person, an intellect, you know, you sort of assimilate the idea of it. You feel like you've got the complete idea of it. So it's like there's no more to be had. In the spirit, it's not so. In the spirit, you think you know something, and then you know it more. And then you go, oh. And then you know it more again. And say, so, oh, oh. And then you know it more again. With each level, there's a coinciding authority yes. and an organic walking it out in your life. Yes. Just So like demons you used to struggle with as a young Christian of shame or condemnation or whatever. It's like, yeah, shoe fly. You know, things that used to debilitate you where you'd, you'd mope for weeks. Do you remember those days when you were a young Christian and you had to call the pastor or somebody? Like, oh, I'm just so down today. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to mock anybody who maybe you're, you're in that place. But that's the reality. Things would overcome you and we were powerless. So God has stationed people in the yeah. body that we can call. Yeah. And what do they do? They say something and it breaks that, that heaviness. It breaks that weightiness off of us. And we're, oh, thank you so much. That was wonderful. But the day's coming where you don't have to make that phone call. That's right. That's right. That's right. But if you're there, make the phone call. Yes. But realize this, that a part of the earth being yours, there's a day coming when people are making the phone calls to you. Because the word of God is in you, and you've overcome the wicked one. Yeah. Right? And this, the relative strength of the body is this assortment of knowledges that are at work creating liberty for one another. This beautiful network of people liberating people. Right? So, you, you know, you're... You're with a bunch of mums at the at the at the park, and somebody you know comes crying. They got a bobo. Oh, there we go. There you go. Yeah. That's what we do for one another. But eventually, eventually, our maturity makes room for others that are not here. You know, what if the growth of a body, the growth of the church and the community? 
was not predicated upon how many evangelism programs had, but what was the, the capacity of the body to care for the newcomers. I guarantee you it's a factor. So let me, let me continue reading this. I don't know if I read the whole thing. So, so he's saying, listen, I, I want you to see. I want you to see. This is Paul's earnest desire. If you could only see what's already inside of you. What is, what is the hope of your calling and the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding, exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? Now, he, he, he sort of gets off a little bit of a rabbit trail, but he comes back to that praying for them later on in, uh, in chapter 3. And in chapter 3, it gets even better. You want me to read it for you? Yes. yes. Ephesians 3.14. He comes back to it, says all kinds of amazing things in chapter 2, first half of chapter 3. But then in verse 14, he comes back to it. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Well, if this was already happening, why did he pray it? If this was an automatic, well, I'm, I'm saved. You, know, you don't have to pray that for me. It's, it's going to happen no matter what. No, these things don't happen no matter what. These ha- things happen as a matter of the, the, the mechanics of ministry from the lives of individuals that make it happen for others. Paul was making it happen for churches. And within churches, mothers and fathers within churches are making it happen for others. And each time you counsel somebody, each time you pray for somebody, each time you encourage, each time you lift up, each time you give somebody, you know, uh, some money and, and, uh, or a meal or something, you are actually facilitating, you are actually bringing an expression of that manifestation of God in their lives. Making visible what to them is vague and obtuse. Obtuse, that's a good word. means kind of unclear. That he would grant you according to the riches of the glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. What? That Christ may dwell. I'm already born again, buddy. I already got Jesus inside me. You don't get half of Jesus. I mean, I, I, I'm playing around, but we need to eliminate yeah. that false yeah. Yeah. religious notion that people are trying to pretend to be here in, in the expression of the kingdom of their life when they're actually here. And they're using, twisting the words of scripture to try to pretend they have the fullness of something that they're clearly not walking in. And it does take humility. Wow. That Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of God which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I'll give you one more picture. When you got born again, God took a seed. 
He didn't take a, you know, a, a loaf of bread. He gave you a seed. In the seed is the DNA of wheat or whatever, whatever we're planting. But it says, you know, that parable it says first, first the seed, then the stalk, then, then the head, then the full grain in the head. All right. All of these are progressive. What he's trying to say is, listen, the planting of God in your life is a progressive thing that starts with a seed, and with each stage of its growth, it produces a coinciding effect. And the coinciding effect is a reflection of the stage of growth that's inside of you. But, but the point of it is, is all this, that when the fullness of Christ is manifested in you, when I plant the nature of Jesus Christ inside of you, that as that nature grows and begins to consume your life, as increasingly the words that come out of your mouth, the attitudes that dominate your mind, and the feelings that flow through your, your feelings are actually the Lord's, fixated around the knowledge of who he is rather than the knowledge of you and what you think you need, then what happens is it begins to conform you to a lifestyle that is equal to the fullness of him. And what Paul is saying is, I, haven't, I don't have that yet, but I'm still leaning towards it. But I believe. This is what, I believe there's a fullness of the manifestation, the fullness of God inside of you. And so, do I have half of Jesus? No, I have a seed. And within the DNA of that seed is everything. All things necessary for life and godliness are provided through the knowledge of Him. Through what? Through the knowledge of Him. Through the knowledge of Him. Through seeing Him. Through awareness. Through enlightenment. Through a spirit of revelation that causes us to see. Wow, there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name. There's power in the name of Jesus. And to the degree that you believe it, when you say it, it has a coinciding effect. That's why the sons of Sceva, using the name of Jesus, had no effect on the demons. Because uh, Jesus I know, and Paul I know. <laughs> yeah, but you're just using the framework of a language of people who actually have authority. And you don't have it. And demonic spirits are not fooled. So, what are we saying? The promise given to Adam right from the beginning. Rule. The scepter given to us, rule in the midst of your enemies. The promise given us that the heavens and the heav- even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth is given it to the sons of men. That we are not waiting for something, somebody else to do something, but we are coming, we are leaning into an understanding. And our gatherings, and sometimes we get, you know, well, why are we gathering again? Why are we gathering again? Why, why don't we just go and do this stuff? Because when we go do this stuff, we're only going to be marginally effective. Should we do them anyway? Yes! But, as we lean into God, we get a greater awareness, and then when we go do the stuff the next time, there's more power. More, more influence. More authority. And we see that in the fabric of your prayers. We see that growth in the fabric of your worship. Because it's one thing to say, Lord, I give you all the glory. What if in your heart, you're always seeking glory? Come, nobody know, understands who I am. Don't they know how gifted I am? Don't they know I'm an apostle? (laughs) 
Because if you say, Lord, I give you all the glory, but you don't. Well, can we ever say that then? Yeah. (laughs) But what we're going is from glory to glory in our capacity to give him glory. That's why worship services are less and more powerful because depending on where we are and pride and focus on God, we actually give him glory. When we actually give him glory, you know what? He responds. So Lord, be lifted up. He said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. So if he's not drawing all men to himself, maybe he's not being lifted up. So, oh, so what is the work? Better evangelism techniques? No, a change of heart. More of that knowledge that causes us to come into, oh, he is the king. And then your testimony is just that more powerful. Then people are like, man, what happened to Ben? He used to be like a sounding gong. <laughs> now I feel the substance is like. <laughs> this is the path we're on. And the promise at the end of the road is this He said, I will have a church without spot and wrinkle. I'm building my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He said, listen, everything that's born of God overcomes the world. That the, these, are the, these are where we're going. To the place where the enemy has no recourse, no response. A church, a body of people who love one another. Who are walking in the mind of God. Who are releasing the gifts of the Spirit. Evangelizing, serving. And there's nothing the enemy can do. That's where we're going. Are we there? No. no. Do we want to be there? Yes. So, God forgive us if we've been that young adolescent athlete who we've trumped all of our peers, but we haven't run with the horses yet, and we don't know it. And so, Father, do what you need to do to take us to that next level. Lord, you have more. There's never any question that there's more available. But God, give us that appetite, that hunger, that thirst, that diligence, that leaning into you, that capacity, God, to... to that unworldly, inhumane capacity to follow hard after you. Lord, we believe that that's a grace from God. And I pray that you would give it to us as a people. Lord, can we say amen? Amen.